Welcome to Graduating Grief, a podcast designed to help you step back into living your life with joy after loss. If you're ready to move from surviving to thriving, you've come to the right place. Here's your host and inspirationista, Sherry Dunlevy. They say that happiness is good medicine and laughter is good medicine and humor is good medicine. And I think that really speak some truth, especially when it comes to grief. So how can you use humor to get through your grieving and graduate your grief? That's why we have our guest, Greg Kettner, on today. Greg is a, a keynote, international keynote speaker, and he is a happy coach. So I want to welcome you. He also is the founder of something called the Humor Lab on Facebook, and he'll talk about all of those things. Welcome, Greg. Hey, Sherry. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to see you again. It's been so long, a couple of days. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I love being around you, Greg, because you always bring smiles and laughter and lightheartedness to any situation and including grief. And we were talking about this prior to me inviting you onto this podcast, because I think this is such an important component as we work to graduate our grief. And that is, um, we've got to take our humor and our happiness very seriously. And you know this because you've gone through this with your family, right? Yeah, not not only through COVID, but uh, uh, two and a half years ago, my stepdaughter lost her father to suicide, oh. um, which was just mind numbing. I remember uh, Becky woke me up. It was it was two eighteen on a on a Monday morning. It's like we need to talk, and I'm like, uh, can I wait? <laughs> that was my first reaction, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, no. Um, uh, Rachel's stepdad passed away by suicide last night, and mm-hmm. it changed my world on the outlook of suicide. Um, it changed my outlook on on grief, and and I didn't know before this that there's different stages of grief, right? I mean that people naturally go through. And uh, it was a very somber morning and we were on the couch for four hours before Rachel woke up. Mm-hmm. Googling, how do you tell your kid that this happened? You know, it's, it's different than an accident or, you know, somebody maybe had cancer then passed away. Oh, so your wife woke you so that you could help her in breaking the news. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So here I am, a, a year, year and a half into a marriage, you know, trying to be a good stepdad, and all of a sudden here we are, and it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was one of the more difficult parts or times of my life. Yeah. So let let's talk about that. Um, so, like, I know that at first, and I'm talking about as you're graduating grief, as you're going through the process, as you're going through the journey. Of course, you're not going to be joking around. Uh, right at the beginning, um, but but humor can diffuse tension, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It it, it brings um, it brings people together and it brings people on uh, a, a different level, whether it's a coworker or a spouse or a child, the parent. Mm-hmm. Um, just like they say, you you never have dinner with or, or have a meal with someone that you can't stand, right? If it's an enemy, you're not like, hey, why don't you come over? We'll have, we'll have dinner together. But when you laugh together, there's something in our brain's chemistry when the dopamine hits that you're like, oh, okay, this is a person I can talk to. I can have fun. I can laugh. 
and it, it kind of levels up everything, you know, for each other, whether, whether that's through pain or happiness um, or, you know, through COVID as well too. Right. So how have you incorporated humor into, um, into helping your stepdaughter through this and even, even helping your wife through this? Because I imagine that, you know, that was, that was still very devastating to her as well, because she's seeing her daughter suffer. So absolutely. And it, it brought up stuff from her past as well too. Right. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> me being, you know, the, the strong, typical male, like, you know, and I'm like, after the shock wore off, I was like, okay, this, this isn't going to really affect me. I need to work to help Becky and Rachel through this, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously it affected Rachel the most, but then it also affected Becky because she was married to him. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that brought up all the past with her. And me, I was like, you know what? I knew who the guy was, but I'm like, I'm fine. I'll be a man. I'll be good. Mm-hmm. And then it hit me about two weeks later because it was affecting my life as well, knowing what, what Becky and Rachel were going through. And, and the humor, obviously, like you said, it's not, there, there's different times and places for humor. And obviously mm-hmm. that was not the one to use humor um, at that time. But fortunately for us, the Friday night before this all happened, um, I, I, I'm a big fan of Brian Regan very very funny love him yeah Uh, yeah right i mean anybody your grandma can listen to him your kids can listen to him everybody gets him uh over the top but very funny and when becky and i were dating she had bought me tickets to go see brian regan in portland and uh i was just like oh this is awesome because he was my favorite comedian and a friend of mine who i knew who booked uh the tonight show with david letterman um he would book the comedians for the David Letterman show. Mm-hmm. And so I called up Eddie and I said, Hey, Eddie, I've never asked you really for a favor, but uh, I know Brian's been on the show 23 times. My girlfriend bought me tickets. Is there any way I can, you can ask him for a meet and greet? And Eddie's like, yeah, I'll call you right back. 20 minutes later, he said, it's all set up. Brian's looking forward to meeting you. And I was like, great. So um, I, I got to meet, um, Brian Regan that night and then uh, his opener happened to be there who I knew as well Kermit and so we just had this like 20 minutes backstage before the show I'm hanging out with my comedian hero and so Brian Regan's always kind of been a part of Becky and I's relationship and then when uh, we got married and I moved in we introduced Rachel to Brian and she's got such a great memory um, like she can remember lines from Brian Regan but she can't remember Feed the Dog which I know is <laughs> Um, so all three of us would sit down and watch Brian Regan specials together. And it just so, you know, happenstance that the Friday before this happened, um, I got tickets to see Brian Regan again. So all three of us, uh, I knew a, a guy running the show as well uh, from being a stand-up comedian and he got his front row tickets. We were dead center, row one. Mm-hmm. And Rachel was so excited. And I'd also gotten a meet and greet because I knew the opener again, Kermit. And he set it up for me, um, but Rachel had no idea. So we go to the stadium and it was where I was working at the time. And she wanted to be outside. The sun was perfect. She wanted the Instagram pictures. And I'm like, no, no, we got to go in. We got to get our seats, make sure nobody else takes them. And she's like, well, I don't. And I'm like, just trust me. So we walk in and we go, instead of going to our seats, we went downstairs to the, the locker room as a hockey arena. Mm-hmm. She's like, why are we, why are we, I want to go to, I'm like, 
Rachel, I just want to show you where I work and now I want to show you where the locker room is. So she's like, okay, whatever. So we knocked on the door and the door opens up and Brian's like, hi, Rachel, how are you? Uh. <laughs> I've never seen a kid. She was just like, oh my word, it's Brian Regan. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had this, you know, four or five minutes with him before the show again. Um, and that was three days before her dad passed away. And so we were there laughing in the front row and, and the whole thing kind of played. And the whole point to that story is once the shock and sadness wore off like a week or two later, we would be sitting at the dinner table and all of a sudden there'd be tears. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, it was, it was one night and I didn't know what to do. I was like, uh, I'm not good with tears. I'm getting better with tears, but that's part of the grieving process is, you know, right. right. Going through the steps. And I said, Hey, why don't we, uh, why don't we put on some Brian Regan? And they're like, oh, I don't know. So I, I walked over the TV and, and when we're at dinner, we'd have no phones, no TV on, nothing. It's, it's family time. So I walked over, I turned on the TV and put on, you know, one of our favorites. And within 20 minutes, the three of us were sitting on the couch laughing. Yeah. And not, not that the pain had left us. No. But again, when you laugh, the endorphins are released. It takes over your body and, and it's feeling good and going from crying about missing your dad to laughing with your family, your new family, it, it was pretty powerful. Right. That's why, you know, they, they say that laughter is the best medicine and they tell a lot of, a lot of people that are dealing with chronic pain or sadness or depression or uh, cancer or anything, you know, put on comedies, watch comedies, do something every day that's going to make you laugh yeah. because that raises your state. It raises your vibration. It raises the endorphins, as you said. So tell me, how did you come to be this proponent of, of laughter and happiness? Uh, well, it all started when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've, um, I guess it kind of started about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, I've always been happy and go lucky. And I thank my parents for that. My dad was very he uh, over the top, enthusiastic and happy and joy. And he'd wake us up in the morning, clapping his hands, which we hated. But now <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and uh, so one night I was out with some buddies and uh, we stumbled into a pub and they had an open comedy mic night. Mm -hmm. And they uh, said, well, hey, you should go up. You, you can tell a joke. I was like, no, I, I can't. So but after a couple of rounds, I'm like, all right. I went up and I, I, I told five minutes of stories. Uh, I'd never done it before. Uh, and it was such a rush that I kept on going back week after week. And within six months, I started to get paid. Um, and then I just, I worked my way up the ladder um, in the comedy world. You start out as a middle, which means you have 15 to 20 minutes. And then once you get really good with that and you're at ease with the crowd, then they make you the MC. So you can start out the show and tell everybody to be quiet, where the bathrooms yeah. are, and have fun and all that. And then you work your way up to headliner. And I had gotten to the point where I was headlining clubs and doing corporate events. And I had the opportunity to work with some of my heroes on stage, like Robin Williams and Norm MacDonald and Gilbert Gottfried. Um, so I, I started just, you know, making people laugh. And, and the feeling I got um, making people laugh was great for me. Mm -hmm. And about, oh, I would say probably maybe... 10 or 12 months into doing stand-up comedy, something switched one night in my brain um, because I was always wanting to get laughter 
I was looking for praise from the audience, right? Mm -hmm. They laughed and they were having a good time. I felt good, but I never thought about making them feel good until one night we were uh, doing an, uh, just an open mic. Uh, it was a show that I ran, so I was the MC, and it was in a hotel lobby. And uh, the show started out and about five minutes into the show, uh, a gentleman and a younger guy walked in. It looked like a son and a dad situation. They came and sat down in the front row and uh, they sat down, but they weren't having fun. They were sitting there. They had their arms crossed, barely drinking their beers. And uh, I was, and so I was like, I got to make these guys laugh. I don't know what their deal is, but they're at a comedy show. So I would talk to them in between the other comedian sets and um by the end, they started like, oh, okay, they relaxed, they laughed at jokes, and we're having a good time. So after the show, I walked up to them and I said, hey, thanks for coming to the show. Where are you guys from? And they said, well, we're from out of town, but we've been living in the hotel for the last six weeks because my wife had terminal cancer and she passed away two days ago. Mm. And I said, wow, I'm so sorry. And they said, we're leaving tomorrow, um, but we saw the comedy show and we've seen it for six weeks, but we just weren't in the right frame of mind to, to go watch a comedy show. And, uh, and I said, wow. And I'm just, at this point, I've got chills. And I'm just like, Oh my God. Like I had no idea. I was trying to get last from them. I was trying to get feel good from them when I should have been giving them the feel good. And that's when it switched because he said, this is the first time that my son and I have laughed in six weeks. Mm. So thank you so much. And it was such a powerful lesson. Right. Because yeah. now when I go on stage and when I talk to clients and corporations, it's how can I make you feel better instead of how can I make myself feel better? Right. So you were telling me that um, your dad was a doctor. OK, yeah. but you're like a doctor, too. Right. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> a doctor of laughter. Yeah. A doctor of laughter. But that's a great thing. That's a beautiful thing. It has yeah. to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, and and you know it it that morphed into I did stand up comedy for uh, about eight years, and then I mm -hmm. ran into Becky. Uh, we we went to college together, um, but we we reconnected through Facebook. So shout out to Mark. <laughs> um, but you know, then she she came to the show, and it, it's just always I guess it's just always been a part of my life. But that night in that hotel. Uh, lobby bar when you know this and I'll never see him again but it it was a pivotal I I guess a pivotal right. lesson in my life mm -hmm. right from I want people to make me feel good to I want to make people feel good it's yeah. very subtle but it was, a, it was a profound lesson for me I think that if we even take that as someone who maybe wants to um, graduate their grief that sometimes the best way to feel good is to go and make someone else feel good. Yeah. So maybe, you know, uh, going over with a bottle of wine and Netflix and chill your favorite funny movie with someone, it can help them get out of the dumps, watching a good comedy show or, or my friend, if they're on social media, they can head on over to the phenomenon that you've created called yeah. the humor lab. Tell us about yeah. that. Uh, and uh, a shout out, thank you for mentioning that, and a shout out to uh, our coach, Jake Valentine, um, because it, it was because of him that I started the group, mm -hmm. and um, it may have, there may have been a bottle or two of wine involved, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, it, it was a week after COVID hit, and, you know, we were locked down here in Washington State, 
and I'm such an extrovert. I'm not a very good introvert. I'm learning to, <laughs> to be happy uh, by myself, uh, but I like people. And so I just thought, how am I going to, how am I going to be creative and make people laugh while in this room? And so I just created the group, the human lab. And the two things I wanted, I wanted my mom to be able to watch it and my daughter to be able to watch it. So I made it PG-13 mm-hmm. and no politics. And that was the best decision I ever, I, you know, I've had some people like freedom of speech and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know what, this is my page. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you want to, I have no, I have no, you know, whatever you want to say, just not on the humor lab. Um, and so over the last eight months, it's grown to, we're almost at 11,000 members. Right. And the coolest thing about it is that there's everybody's uh, uh, sense of humor. Some people are into videos, some people are into GIFs, some people are into just cartoons or words. Like there's there's a bunch of people that are into puns and I'm not, I don't think puns are punny, um, <laughs> you know, but he, one guy, Nathan, he, he keeps on putting dad jokes on there and you, it's a groaner, but you're like, okay, that's funny. I see where you're going. And so it's it's been great to see everybody's different style of humor and what makes them laugh, what makes them happy. But the best part, I get, probably one or two messages a week saying, thank you so much for making me laugh. COVID has been really difficult in our family. We come here, we watch, we share it with our friends. And um, probably the coolest message I got was from some guy uh, on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And he said, thank you so much for the Humor Lab. I don't know where I would be without it because not only had he gone through COVID, but he had lost his job and went through a divorce. Oh my gosh. And yeah. just to hear him say, you know what? I I love sitting down when the kids are in bed. I scroll on Humor Lab, and it it changes my attitude, and and it absolutely does. And and I was doing some research, and what I found was, and I know why you and I as adults are stressed more than kids. Um, I think it was Harvard research that did it, but they did research, and they found that kids like one to three laugh up to three hundred times a day. And as adults, it's only 17. Wow. If that. If that, right? Right? So far, we're doing good today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I would encourage anyone who needs laughter, who who needs, you know, uplifting to start at the Humor Lab. I mean, if yeah, you said absolutely. it's all kinds of comedy, um, you know, if, if it's your mom who, you know, uh, needs the uplifting, share it with her, you know, invite her. If it's your daughter, invite her, you know, if it's your aunt, invite her, you know, I love that, that it's, it's, it's funny for the whole family and there's all different types of humor on there. And so if you can't Netflix and chill, if you have your phone with you, just hop on over and join the humor lab. Yeah. We'd love to to have you there and, and share, you know, your humor as well because yeah. that's what it is it's a community of, of people who want to get away from the news get away from the doldrums and just chill out and and laugh and be happy yeah well obviously there's a need for it because it wouldn't grow from zero to eleven thousand in uh in less than you know a year's time yeah. if it wasn't something that people were looking for so that that there must be truth to the to the to the saying that laughter is the best medicine no, yeah. there is. And, and that's, you know, it, it's grown organically. I've spent zero dollars on it. Yeah. Like no ads or anything. So, but, yeah, but, you know, whether it's like I said, again, you know, even if, even if it's a coworker, right. If you 
or if you're having a meeting, if you start a meeting with a funny cartoon on Zoom, people are going to remember that. Yeah. Instead of the person in their pajamas or going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, Greg? I think we're going to just end on that one. Okay, my friend. Thank <laughs> you so much for providing your wisdom and providing no your laughter and making the world uh, a happier place. We we certainly appreciate it. It is all worthwhile on our our journey to graduate our grief. Well, great. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I appreciate your laughter and, and all that you do for, you know, helping people graduate through their grief. It's much appreciated and it does not go unnoticed for sure. Well, until next time, my friend, be well. Thank you for listening to the Graduating Grief Podcast. For more information on the Graduating Grief community, workshops, and retreats, go to www.sherrydunlevy.com. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, review, and share.